Y'all excited for this series? I am excited and pumped up and just really, really excited for it. I, I think that there's a lot of great things going on here, and we are excited. If you were in a small group uh, that happened, we saw a couple pictures. Small group kicked off last weekend. You say, well, what are small groups? They're simply a place that we can connect outside of just here at Sunday morning at the Avenue. So there's a QR code in the back on a sign. There's one in the seat in front. While you're sitting down, you'll see a little QR code on that. Scan that. You can sign up for a small group and get information about them. Get connected outside of just Sunday morning only and build some new relationships. Don't do life by yourself, but get some other people in your life and in your world as well in small groups. Also, if you're looking for a place to connect and discover more about the Avenue, next Sunday evening is Growth Track. Growth Track is a place that we invite everybody to go to. It's your first step. So if you're new and you want to know more about the Avenue, that is your step for you. It takes place the first Sunday of each month. Being a holiday weekend, we moved it to next Sunday, and it is at Pastor Lori and Brandon's house. You can see them. You can go online, myavenue.church. Under Connect, you'll see Growth Track. You can sign up right there as well. for uh, Next Sunday from 6 to 8, I believe it is. Childcare is provided as well. We'd love for you to go there and discover more about the Avenue. It's in one night, and then you can ask a lot of questions and discover more about who you are. You don't want to get to the end of life and not know that your life made a difference. And so in Growth Track, it's a tool we use to help you discover why you're here, the gifts that you have, your unique personality and spiritual gifts that you may or may not know you have, and then how you can use them as a part of the body of Christ here at the Avenue. So we'd love for each person to go through that as well and then dive into that. Also going on is small groups to be a part of that. On your seat there, you'll see a orange connect card. If you're visiting with us for the very first time or you've been checking us out but haven't ever filled that out, would you do us a favor? Fill the Orange Connect card out with as much information as you like. You can drop it off at our Next Steps table in the back in the lobby. And as you do, we'll exchange that. we got a gift for you. We'd love to give you that gift. And then somebody on our team will reach out to you this week and answer any questions from the boxes you check on that Connect card as well. At this time, they're gonna, we're going to receive our offering, our tithing offering that we bring together and give back to God through the avenue. If you are visiting with us, we don't want you to feel any pressure at all to give. This is our our, our service is our gift to you. And as we present this gift to you, we hope you just sit back, enjoy it, feel the presence of God. But for those that call the Avenue home, it's a time when we give together. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we took a 90-day tithing challenge, and I've been here. I've heard one, one or two really great stories of people that just said we took the challenge, and we're seeing God already do amazing things in our lives. I'd encourage you to stay faithful with that. You know, we set our budget based on the tithe, not the offering. And so we ask people to, hey, will you stay faithful so we can stay faithful with the budget that the board has approved? And so as we do those things, we can see God do amazing things as well. So it's great to, to know that God is working inside of each one of us as well, and we freely give back to him of all that he's done as well. There's three ways you can give. They're on the screen. Uh, you can give online. You can give text to give. Or you can give at the giving station in the back, too. I am probably most excited today because of our speaker. I would say guest speaker, but she is no guest to us. We know Pastor Jessica very well. But I am excited because this morning she will be doing part two of our series here, Miracles. And when she and Mike came to the church several years back, they came in and they came in uh, from, uh, they'd gone through some things and they just came and they sat down and they began to engage a church and they walked through growth track and they joined small groups. And I have seen them progress into leadership and last year, beginning of this year, we ordained her into ministry here at the Avenue. And I've seen God's hand upon your life. 
We watch as God has used her, her voice. And, you know, it's amazing because he uses her not just, she's the worship pastor, but in many other ways as well. And you can see that God is, his calling is upon your life. And I'm excited this morning. And I asked her, I said, I want you to preach uh, in this series. I want you to be a part of the communication team in this series. And she said yes, because we lead with a yes here at the Avenue. We don't say no. And that comes from somebody that said no way too many times, and I do believe I missed out on many opportunities to help people because of the fear in my life. And so we don't say no. We don't, we don't leverage yes because it's manipulation. We just leverage a yes because we know that God wants to do something through you. And oftentimes we are the, the we stand in the way of it. And so we lead with a yes. And so I just, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for a dream team that says yes, we'll set up. Grateful for a dream team that says yes, we'll come in and take care of children. And a dream team that just says yes, we will do whatever it takes to help people hear the gospel all the time. Small group leaders saying yes. We got small group leaders saying yes, and they don't even, they're like, we've never even had people over our house, but we want to do something. And it's amazing when you see God move people from where they were to where he's getting them and wants them to be as well. So this morning, I'm excited because she is going to present part two of our miracle series. So would you do a say, would you stand to your feet, put your hands together, and welcome Pastor Jessica to the stage this morning. Right. Thank you. Well, good morning. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Um, I don't get often a chance to brag on my friends and leaders here at the church, but all of our pastors... Um, have loved me and my family and my kids so well and led us in ways they probably are not even aware of. So thank you. Um, we love you. And um, I am so excited about this series, y'all. Um, I do have to tell you a funny story. Um, a while back, uh, I was leading worship, and I had said something really short after one of the sets, and my husband and I were in the car, and he said, hey, you should like preach. And I said, I will never ever do that unless, and you know, I kind of made this ridiculous scenario. You know, you do that to God. You say, I'll never do this unless you like do this. And so that's what I did. I was like, I'm, I have to be standing in the back of the room and the pastor of the whole entire church just has to single me out and ask me, will you preach? And I thought that will never happen. <laughs> and then fast forward like a year later, and Pastor Dave calls and says, hey, will you preach? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I just really need some confirmation from God that I'm supposed to do it, you know? So I gave God another scenario, and long story short, Pastor asked me again. And I was like, absolutely. So here I am now, nevering like I've never evered before. So praise God. <laughs> yeah. So I am happy to be speaking about this series. Um, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in this series. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here that's walked through the doors of this building today. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit, God, would just flow and that every word that is spoken in this message would be straight from you. God, that you would eliminate every distraction that, that may be weighing um, on our hearts and on our minds, and that you would just allow us to hear from you, Lord, and be changed and transformed by your word and what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, listen, I want to start out by asking, how many of you have ever been in a situation where you use the phrase, whether you said it out loud or in conversation, if I could only just, if I could only just, yes, if I could only just get that job, if I could only just make that money, if I could only just receive that healing. We have all been in a position where we needed the hand of God to move in our life. And I want to take that a step further because some of us have had a miracle or something in our life that we have needed God to move for a very long time. And perhaps we have been hit with just a lot of hard circumstances and a lot of trauma that has caused us to kind of harden and believe that, you know what, this is just the way that life is. And so some of us move in, in a mindset where we live accepting things as is, rather than walking in the substance of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for is right out of the Bible. It's actually how faith is defined in Hebrews 11. It, sa it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But many of us live according to what we see. I want to begin by challenging us to shift our thinking from the need for a miracle to the need to be in the presence of the miracle worker that is Christ Jesus. Because, see, I believe that when we shift our mindset and we think that way and we start to pursue Jesus in our faith, then we move toward our miracle, which is the byproduct of our faith. So we're going to start that today. I want to unpack the story in the Bible. And you've probably, if you've grown up in the church, you've, you've heard this story a lot. But I want you to listen to it through fresh eyes and fresh perspective. If you haven't heard the story before, it's a fantastic story. But it starts with a woman who for 12 years endured the suffering of a hemorrhage. Ladies. Okay? I mean, so she, I'm going to start by paraphrasing it just to kind of give us a background. She, she endures 12 years of a hemorrhage, and she ultimately decides to uh, pursue Jesus for healing as he is on his way to heal the son of Jairus, who was a, a leader of the local synagogue there. And I want to start, this story is mentioned in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For the sake of time, I'm going to read through Matthew because I'm a teacher, and I believe that we need to read it first, digest it, get God's word in us. But then, after I read through Matthew, I'm going to show you a video clip from the best show ever, The Chosen, guys. It's the best show. Y'all, my son Emery is a tough crowd, and even he loves that show. So, like, yes. So let's start out by reading out of Matthew 9, 18 through 22. It says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. 
So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if I may only touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Y'all check out this video.
Now, we may not be able to relate to this woman in the sense of her unique physical suffering, but all of us, whether mentally, physically, or spiritually, have or are in a place that has kept us in bondage and in need of a touch from God. It's left us in that if I could only state. So what do we do about that? Well, I think that there is a lot that we can learn from this woman in this story. And I think that there's a lot that we could learn from Jesus. So I encourage you to read all of the story and all three gospels on your own. We're going to visit parts of all of them today because they're all beautiful, unique perspectives um, that are powerful and really speak. But I want to focus on three specific actions that this woman took that I believe moved her from a place of desperation to a place of destination. That's the title of this message today. If I could only just, moving from our desperation to our destination. It's really why I love the vision of this church. There have been, I, I've grown up in church, and there ha, have been church visions or missions that didn't really imprint on my heart because I just, they didn't align with God more than the organization, if you know what I mean. But this one, I believe, is the heart of God. I believe it's the heart of Jesus to see us move from a place of desperation to where we're supposed to be. So we're going to look at three separate actions that this woman took that I believe moved her from that place. Now, I want you to consider that in every miracle throughout the Bible, it required an act. Pastor Dave told us about that last week. It required an act, whether from the person receiving the miracle or a family member or friend, there had to be some sort of action and some sort of engagement. So I want to start with the first one, and that is there was an act of faith. So I'm excited about this, y'all, because if you read the story, the woman did not start out initially pursuing Jesus. Remember that because of her condition, just to kind of build a background, in Mosaic law, um, she was considered unclean. So for as long as she bled, she could not touch or be around anybody. She was in isolation. She probably suffered from depression and just, I couldn't imagine 12 years of, of, of that and wearing the shame of that label, unclean. So even if she initially heard about Jesus and thought that he could heal her, it probably wasn't within her grasp that she could be in his presence. So she started by pursuing healing from physicians. So Mark 5.26 says she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better but rather grew worse. So wait a minute. Now doctors are supposed to make us better. But in this situation, it made it worse. The Bible says that she suffered more because of the doctors. Now I want to ask you a question because that this is what I thought of when I read this. How many times have we judged our own proximity to Jesus because of the labels that we wear 
or the shame of what we've done, kind of like Justin was talking about a couple weeks ago. Or we put distance between God and ourselves because we want something to make us feel better right now. So we go and we make ourselves feel better with something that's supposed to make us feel better, and it ends up making us feel worse. Yes. So I've got an example. So uh, my husband, Mike, and I and our two boys, I have a 10-month-old and an 11-year-old, and we have been going through so much transition, y'all. We, we like, had a baby and started all over, and then I went from being a stay-at-home mom to going back into the field of education, and if you're an educator, you know it's like, wow, crazy, you know. And then we sent our baby, Knox, to daycare, and when you have a little baby that's been around nothing but his mama, and you put him around a lot of, like, sweet, buggery, truly other babies they get sick and so <laughs> the last three weeks we've just been like tag teaming okay you miss work today and I'll be with the baby and you miss work today and I'll be with the baby and it's been like ah you know I'm not supposed to to miss work I'm new and so we had had one of those weeks y'all that it was just so crazy that I remember Mike and I just sitting in the car like 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 do y'all know those movies where they they've had like a train wreck happen and they just get in the car and they're like hair is everywhere and their face and they're just like what just happened it was one of those weeks that i remember it was just quiet and i remember mike saying let's just go to mcdonald's <laughs> like let's just we on a budget that's where you go when you're on a budget you go to mcdonald's but y'all like we love their like Cokes and their salty french fries. For those of you that are judging, like we would have gone to the Brazilian steakhouse, but you know, <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> so we went to McDonald's and we, we just drowned our sorrows in cheeseburgers and salty french fries and sodas. And y'all, it felt so good in the moment, but I can promise you when we left, I'll leave the rest up to your imagination. <laughs> But listen, it's funny, but all jokes aside, I wonder what would have happened that day if right then and there in our faith, we would have stopped, prayed as a family, bought our rough week before the feet of Jesus, asked for his help, and then went and ate the french fries <laughs> and enjoyed the grace of good food without drowning our sorrows in it and using it to fill something that was never meant to be filled by food. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. But no judgment if you go to McDonald's, okay? Now, 27 through 28 says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. See, the woman made a shift here. She moved from simply pursuing physical healing to deciding that she needed to get to Jesus and be in the presence of Jesus to receive her healing. And that is where the miracle began. You know, she made that journey, uh, this Scholars say 30 miles, so if you're a runner, that's a marathon. 
In her physical suffering, she walked a marathon to get to Jesus. And, you know, I think that when she saw the back of his head and got closer to his presence, her hope and her faith and her expectation grew. So that begs the question, do we believe what we've been told about Jesus? Because I think some of us think that we do. But we go to McDonald's before we go to the feet of Jesus. Okay. Now, the second act, there was an act of worship. And y'all knew I was going to go here. I told Pastor Dave, I got to get worship in there somewhere. Because I'm so passionate about worship. Because I believe that our God is passionate about worship. And if you'll notice in this story, there is no music. There's no singing. There, there, there is none. And that's because worship and music, they're not the same thing. So music is just one of the ways that we admonish our Father, sing his praises, and worship him. But it is not worship. So there are words throughout the Bible in Hebrew and in Greek that in their origin paint a good picture of what worship is, but there's one specifically that I want to focus on with you today. It's a Hebrew word that I've practiced a lot because of my Tennessee twang, so shaka, which means to bow, crouch, or fall down. Now that word is mentioned in the Old Testament, but the reason why I'm choosing to visit it is because I, as I was reading this, I saw it play out in the posture of this woman in this story. You see, Luke 8.44 says that she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. So here I have um, a garment, and it's called a, a well, this is a blanket from Hobby Lobby, but it's a demonstration. <laughs> it's a demonstration. So um, back in, during that day, Jewish, the Orthodox Jews wore something called a tallet. And the hem was, the hemmed edges were round. They had a, a tassel or tassels, and they would drape it over them like so. And so the tassels, were positioned, and it was, it was more likely much longer than this, but the tassels were positioned to the person's feet. So Jesus would have been walking. The woman would have come up behind him. The Bible says that he was surrounded by people, that people were pressed up against him. So I know that this woman being desperate for healing more than likely did not come up to, from behind him and just did that. She probably moved her way through and desperately, just as depicted in The Chosen, threw herself at the hem of the garment of Jesus, which would have positioned her on the floor. So I'm going to get on the floor. She was on the floor, and she had reached for the border, the hem of his garment. But this is what confused me, because if you keep reading, it says that 
Now when the woman, in Luke 8, 47, it says, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Now that confused me because I was thinking if she's already on the floor, if she's already grasped, if she's already touched the, the hem of his garment, she's already on the floor. So how did she come before him in trembling, and, and how did she throw herself at his feet if she was already at his feet? Well, here's what I believe. He was walking, she was on the ground, she touched his garment, he stops after a couple steps, he feels the power go out of him, which we'll visit later. He turns around, when she comes toward him, more than likely, she came toward him in a crawl. And then when she got as close as she could and closed that proximity between her and Jesus, she crouched down as low as she could and threw herself at his feet. Shaka. And you know, I think that what stands out to me here are two things. Number one, it was the attitude of her heart. At some point on her journey, she had already decided to worship because she had said, I'm in pain, I'm suffering, but I'm going to move toward Jesus. I'm going to keep going. And then she kept pursuing him even into that last moment when she threw herself in the most humble position that she possibly could before crowds of people and risked humiliation. And so the second thing, besides the attitude of her heart, was how, because of the posture of her heart, it manifested itself in the position of her body. Because I think that that's worship, right? It's a condition of the heart, but it, but it manifests itself in the outside. So theologian Ralph P. Martin frames these two aspects well when he defines worship as the dramatic celebration of God and his supreme worth in such a manner that his worthiness becomes the norm and inspiration of human living. So we all worship something or someone. And I dare say it's whatever we put our faith in. But do we, when we look at this woman and what she did, it must cause us to ask ourselves, if we know Jesus, for those of us that know Jesus, do we make a decision from Sunday morning to the next Sunday morning that though we may tremble, that we will pursue Jesus with the posture that he is worthy of and that we will sing songs on a Sunday in such a way and live our life on Monday morning in such a way that God knows and I know and everyone around me knows the love and the honor that I have for my God. Because see, there's testimony in that. For those that don't know Jesus, they're looking at someone that does. And to be honest, 
if, if they don't see us worshiping, if they don't see us moving toward Jesus, then is this a Jesus really worth following? This woman believed that he was. And I think that we can learn a lot from that. So that leads me to my third and final act. There was an act of surrender. Faith moved this woman to worship and ultimately her worship led her to a place of surrender. You see, in the final moments of this story, it says that Jesus was so moved by her all-encompassing faith that he felt the power go out of him. So he turns around and he says, who touched me? And y'all, like, it's Jesus. I feel like he knew who touched him. I mean, I think of other places, like at the woman at the well, when he was like, knew her name, knew her story, like was able to tell her every, everything about herself before she revealed anything. I believe that he knew who touched him. But here's the thing. He needed her to reveal who she was and reveal the truth so that he could complete the miracle because she received her physical healing, but the miracle was not done. The miracle was not done. He wanted her to reveal the truth before the crowds so that he could then bring her from desperation, disease, depression, uncleanliness, to pulling her out of her shame by declaring publicly, you are a daughter and you are made well by your faith. Guys, that is amazing because it was there in that surrender that the miracle became less about the physical healing and more about who she became on her journey to Jesus. And I think that, that there's so much that we can learn from that. We spend so much time trying to hurry God or we spend so much time trying to make our life look like we think that it should and we just want God so bad to meet us there. God, if you could only just this, if I could only just this, when he's probably saying, if you could only just see what I have for you, if you could only just see where I'm taking you and how this journey between here and where I've called you to be is going to bless your life and is going to bless the kingdom. I think there's so much power in that. So Mark 5, 30 through 34, just so we can see this playing out in the Bible, it says, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. You say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And so in closing, I wanna encourage you with a couple things. 
Remember that Jesus was on his way to perform another miracle. For a man that more than likely was respected by his community, he was staff in the local church. So he was like Pastor Dave is to us, probably very loved, very cherished by his community. He, in, in human eyes, deserved this miracle, right? But here this woman is, she has this label of unclean, and she comes and she touches his garment. So I want to encourage you there because number one, Jesus has time for you. He is more than we could ever imagine in our own human mind. He has time for you. He knows your life. He knows your heart. He knows your situation. He cares about it. And I also want to throw out there for those of us that maybe we're hearing about Jesus for the first time. This is the first time we're hearing about Jesus and and we're like, I, I don't know. I just want you to remember the surrender of this woman and what Jesus was able to do and know that we might not have physical access to the, the hem of the garment of Jesus right now in this very moment, but you know what? I've got good news. The miracle of salvation gives us access to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can choose to wholly surrender our life to God and live in the freedom that he offers us today, right now. So go ahead and stand to your feet. I'd like you to close your eyes. No one looking around. And I'd like to close by praying for two people. The first person is, is the person that we talked about just a few moments ago. You're hearing about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him for a while or you're hearing about him for the first time today. Either way, you've decided, you know what? I wanna give him my life. I wanna surrender my heart to Jesus and I wanna experience the freedom that comes with a life in him. If that's you this morning, I'd just like for you to quickly raise your hand. We are not gonna embarrass you. We are not going to call you out. We will pray together for you. We just want a, a chance to celebrate. So if that's you, please raise your hand. Okay, and the second person that I wanna pray for this morning is maybe the person that is, is currently living in, if I could just only. You're in a place of desperation right now, and you're thinking, God, if you could just move in my life in this area, if you could just only do this, I know that I could do this. I just wanna pray for you this morning too, that you would be reminded of what God wants to do in your life. So if that's you, please raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, hands all across this room. You can put them down. I'd like you to repeat this part of the prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you are my savior. 
and I thank you for the blood of Jesus. Jesus, come be in my heart. Take over my life. Make me clean that I may walk in you. In this second prayer, God, I just pray over each and every heart here, Lord, that is broken. Every heart here, Lord, that is desperate for a move of you. God, would you remind them that just like this woman in the Bible, that you are carrying them, that you are walking alongside them, that they are a son and daughter of the King, and God, that you are moving them and you are taking them from that place of desperation and that you are moving them to their destination, Lord, even if they can't see it, even if they cannot feel it, Jesus, that you are moving and that you have made promises. God, your word in Romans says that you have worked all things for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So we believe in that this morning. And we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and what you're going to do in our life, God, and where you're going to guide our footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we just give him a hand?